Hello, I'm Brock Wilbur. And I'm Jordan Shively. And this is Caring Into the Void, a new podcast about looking at the dark shit out there and trying to find the good in it, I think. What do you think this show is about? I think it's about, you know, finding things that maybe seem to be completely dark and scary or like totally macabre and saying that, what is it? Does it have a different meaning for you? It would when you read when I read or the, a certain topic or something. Does it tell me something different than what was the intended darkness? I like that. Uh, we're both uh, people that do a lot of different creative things, and uh, a lot of our stuff relies on the the humor of the void and the darkness and all the terrible things <laughs> out there. And uh, we're kind of living in a time where that's getting a little played out in terms of how much the crossover of the of the fictional cosmic horror and the real cosmic horror uh, is is sort of daily, uh, and so we sort of had this idea to do this. We were brought together because a robot kept stealing Jordan's t-shirt designs, and I wrote a piece about it for Paste and found out that we have a lot of things in common, uh, and uh, I, yeah, I think that this is part of like one of those good cosmic things that two people that have a very similar sense of humor are like, what if there was just a way that we could do this sort of bite-sized podcast each week? that doesn't ask too much of us or too much of the listener, and we can cheer everybody up just a little bit. Not too much, because then like, then you're not ready. Like the, idea, the idea was kind of like a, a really fucked up hang-in-there kitten poster. You know, like... If the kitten's hanging kitten off and like and a tentacle. And you're looking at it, but man, <laughs> does that kitten have more teeth now than it did before? How many oh, eyes man, does your kitten have? <laughs> Oh man, that that kitten's is that kitten even closer now than it was before? How come every time I look away, that kitten's getting closer? Oh, the kitten's gonna make me be cheerful. <laughs> cheerful is that thing where your skin like falls off, right? And I then think it, like, so. I like, think so. There's a way. Yeah, that's what cheerfulness. That's what I heard. Ch- cheerfulness is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, we're what we're gonna do on this show uh, is uh, every week. Uh, just sort of be friends to you and friends to the universe and uh, grab some stuff that's either historical or happening right now and and try to find the good or the positive in it. And uh, there's we've, we've done a couple of test episodes sort of things, and, and there's so much I've learned about Jordan, including that uh, Jordan was uh, kicked out of religious school right at the very end for, I think, being too good One at religious school. Left. One credit left where uh, you... Def- the exit interview credit. You defended the poor and they were like, oh, you need to read the Bible again. And you were like, fuck it, I'm out. And I've spent all week thinking about that. You were actually, <laughs> you were too good at religion to to pass and have a degree well, in religion. Well, it, I, to really buy into religion, you can't really have critical thought. And they teach you to supposedly to do critical writing and critical thought. And then when you apply that to what they've been telling you to believe, it breaks down and you get kicked out of seminary, still owing all the money that you paid until you're 65 years old. And as you've mentioned before, if, if you were uh, older, with, <laughs> if you were older, you would have approached this situation differently. Oh, I would have just shut the fuck up, gotten my degree and then got gone and taught comics at a college somewhere or something. <laughs> as a master's is a master's, right? But nope, I was full of vim and vigor and had to say the truth to the power. <laughs> Uh, I went and to. So that's like sixty thousand dollars worth of truth. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just so much to spend on religion. Dude, but I think if but, I but, added but up moving all on. what <laughs> I said, but moving on, but moving on, uh, that's even too dark for this show. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure that we'll circle back to it a number of times. It's a good thing to have in the side pocket. Uh, I spent the week in Denver. 
me and the wife went out to see uh, Pod Save America and Love It or Leave It, and me and a friend have had a long-running gag with uh, John Lovett, uh, where he's mentioned on the show before that he was playing the video game Prey, and then he just stopped playing the video game Prey, and I really fucking like the video game Prey. So me and a friend have been, like, annoying him at shows and online demanding John finish Prey, uh, and he finally responded in a segment that was cut out of the podcast that he's played the game, reached near the very end, and then just walked away because he's an adult and he can do that. And I, I was just like, oh my god, the the self care and self control that it takes to do that. Because like I'm, I'm the sort of person that like I, games used to be fun for me, uh, and then I got into a period where I was doing a lot of reviews where I was getting like a game 48 hours before I was supposed to turn in a review, and it's like The Witcher three or something. And I was like, this is a hundred hour game at minimum. If I'm just doing the main quest, like I, it's no longer fun. When you're like, and I, so, I can't and sleep. And also, that's like setting you up for failure, too, because they're expecting you to give a full review on something that has no possibility of having a full review. Exactly. And then there's also, like, I like I got a Christmas present. I, every year, somebody in my family gives me, like, an Xbox game that I just look at and go, I, the, the stress of imagining sinking the time into Skyrim or Destiny 2 <laughs> for me is just the sort of thing that I leave it, I leave it wrapped in plastic and I gift it to a friend or like wait for the day. Like, but I feel bad about it. Like I, I I did get destiny Two at Christmas this year. And I was like, this is a really nice gift. And the person that gave it to me knows me and loves me and I should play it. But I know that like, I have to then schedule time with a dozen other people about like when we're going to do a raid and I don't, I'm 33. I just don't have it in me anymore. And it, like the, the stress of not even playing a game has become so much for some of these things. So like all I do now are like weird indie walking simulators about remembering that you hate your dad or something. Uh, and, and that's all. all yeah, for you, it's a little different because it ties into your work. But for me, I always then anytime I stop and play a game, I'm immediately just racked with the guilt that I spent that time doing that. When I should have been like working on a project or something, I have two. So I, I have two books that I are due, and this. one of them has been due for three years. So every time oh, I go to like a movie or Disneyland or start up a game, that there is that piece of my heart. We're, me and Jordan have figured out that we're very similarly uh, goal-driven, motivated people, and that that destroys us on the inside all of the time, and also destroys some of the relationships around us. And I think that the people listening to this podcast might connect with that and that's something that we're going to talk about too i you you might not get uh project management but tips on the from upside, us. <laughs> i've i've developed the saddest way ever of playing video games is where i listen to other people play them while i work on things <laughs> okay like that's smelling fantastic. food but like but like not even being able to touch it i think you just invented something that's going to be big in a few years <laughs> Not even watching, just listening. <laughs> Welcome to Let Smells. So, uh, Jordan, what are you what are you presenting from the void this week? So, I was trying to th- I was trying to come up with a really good folk tale or a dark story that I liked, and then I, I had a list of ones I shouldn't do because they were too overdone or they were like cliche, and so I decided to end up going with the number one that I shouldn't do, which is Slenderman. <laughs> This is good for us to start with. It's good to get it out of the way. Yeah, and also I was like, oh, just like people are like, oh, of course it's Slender Man. But then I was like, the reason I like it is not because of all the actual Slender Man stories. You know, I mean, sure that's interesting that it was like started as like a Photoshop joke on a forum, and then it 
became this thing with that kids were actually acting out on and supposedly trying to murder people because of it. But what I find interesting is more the idea of it being the end of the kind of Gutenberg parentheses of like um, recorded stories that they're being told finitely in print and a returning to storytelling of a collective whole, like almost like they created this thought form or this dark God that then they had to like go with the rules, but there's rules that they made up for themselves. There is something delightful about like, it's impossible that, that this thing went from not existing to existing in this uh, designed by committee way, but that everyone did agree on some ground rules of what Slender Man is. Like it, it seems impossible that something goes from the something awful forums to a thing that far away from even existing or having uh, like a power in the real world over what people do. Just that we can agree that he's even a Slender Man is already so much but the rules of like his lore and backstory and and what functions around him, like the fact that the internet could even agree on what that was, is is equally impressive well, to there, me. <laughs> yeah, and also that it like it's it ended up fitting to all like the basic tenets of like of old folklore, where it had like a collectivity to it, where people it ties into like a collective, not just a single individual, and then it had a variability where it would change from as it moved down as it, like it infected different people or different psyches, like it would change. Uh-huh. But then it also had a big performative thing where the person telling it was changing it because of who he was telling it to. Oh, interesting. And like, so it was like almost like this thing that would like go into a new teller and then mutate. And then I find it interesting that we chose to do this horrible, like thing that like makes you that, feeds on the idea of like the other and always being watched and stuff. And maybe like the horror of the vacuum coming alive. And instead of making it a God of like productivity for ourselves, you know, like why didn't we come up with like this thought form that would just pop in every once in a while and say, or should you really be watching that much Netflix? You know, (laughs) how many pages did you write today? I mean, don't blame me. I'm just the God you made. (laughs) I like the idea of a God being angry about like, okay, but you could have done better. Well, that's the God we deserve a little sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew that I knew that God's school was going to come back for us. <laughs> I mean, we kind of basically just came up with a deified Clippy. But. <laughs> Clippy from Word that's, yeah. So you, you have this idea that we, we should, we should try to put the same amount of effort into something positive. Yeah. So that if we're going to sit down and take the time to like have all these genesis of this collective God that lives on the internet, why don't we sit down and come up with a collective deity that has something that'll be useful for us and that we build this mental structure that it lives inside of, but it's all of our mental structures. So it's like, we're kind of like, it's like a, what the word I'm thinking of, like a support group. But like this mental thought form support group that we we birth it and then we all keep adding to it and checking on it and then it checks back on us. What if we had slender group? I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> or Tinder group. Ah, T E N D E R, not Tinder. <laughs> I'm actively oh, mad yeah. at you. <laughs> I thought I was waiting for you to have like some kind of like swipe swipe left for success. 
But. That was a really good imitation of me and how bad I am at jokes. <laughs> <laughs> this friendship is off to a great start. Well, yeah, that, so that was my thing for the week. Did you see the, the HBO documentary about the, the girls and the murder? I think I've seen snippets of it, maybe on some bootleg YouTube version. I know I've watched a documentary about Slenderman. And then other little things. I'm not sure which one I watched. There's a whole lot of it that's just about like parents being like, well, we were bad parents and didn't know what our kids were looking at on an iPad all day, every day, and never thought to install any sort of blocks or whatever. And there is a segment in it at one point that uh, when I was first watching it, I was like, this is a little heavy handed. Uh, And then the longer it went, the more I was really affected by it, where they just sort of did this like five or six minute mashup of just all the insane things that you can see on YouTube. Uh, and and around minute three, I was like, okay, I, I actively feel desensitized to the world around me. And this was, uh, this documentary came out a year and a half or so ago. Uh, so it's way before uh, that, that new thing where the guy pointed out that all the computer generated YouTube videos of like the cast of Frozen, like eating each other and stuff are, are make up like 10% of YouTube. <laughs> well, I feel like that kind of points straight to the thing where they try, like, all the news things, like Slender Man, this one story that infected their minds. But in the testimony that it was the, the two 12 year old girls from Waukesha, I think it's how you say that, Waukesha, Wisconsin, they also, in their testimony, said that they were conversing, like, with Voldemort and a Ninja Turtle and stuff. So it was more that the, these, these warning flags were missed. And it could it could as easily have been like that the Ninja Turtle told them to stab their friend, you know. Oh, the Don- was, the Donatello murders. Yeah, I mean, maybe more like Raphael probably because he's rude. But you know, <laughs> Donatello would have would have maybe just helped with homework. <laughs> you sully the name of Donatello. He reached the farthest with his bow staff on the game. That's why he was my favorite. <laughs> and you go down between the levels. <laughs> God. Uh, so what I'm bringing from the void this week is a uh, an astronomer from 1546 named Tycho Brahe. Uh, Tycho Brahe was a, a Danish a nobleman and astronomer, and he's like the last of the astronomers to like actually gaze into the void without a telescope. He was like basically up until this point, like everyone was doing astronomy by eyesight. And for some reason, something about him made him five times better at like eyeballing these things than than anyone's nearest like astronomer like guesses. So he was pretty accurate with his eyeballs. Yeah, uh, that's insane. It is, and and he he, uh, <laughs> he was also one of the first to be like the the moon orbits the Earth and the planets orbit the sun. But the part he fucked up on was that he thought the sun was also orbiting the Earth. So he was like so close. Uh. But he uh, he was working on these on, on a bunch of these ideas, uh, and then he died tragically. And and to to cap it all off, uh, he had a silver prosthetic nose, uh, like the Humpty Hump guy. Uh, I I don't know what period of time it was that everyone was big into silver prosthetic noses, but it was definitely fifteen forty six. I would I would think a time where like they had a lot of like leprosy or something. <laughs> uh yeah oh probably i shouldn't laugh at that that's actually what it was probably uh uh so he he dies from people thought he was poisoned for years and and that was not the case uh it turns out that he uh 
he showed up to this uh, King Frederick the uh, Second to a party at this guy's place. Uh, and back then, the rule was you can't get up from the table unless the king gets up from the table. Uh, and this guy was like the Johnny Knoxville of his era. And his whole thing was to like have people over and he would have like a piss bucket under the table and he would force everyone to keep drinking because you have to drink when the king oh, drinks. No. Uh, and he was peeing, but no one else could pee. And he was he would, did this to like mess with people. And Tycho Brahe was at one of the guy's parties and he was so polite that he refused to get up until his bladder burst. Uh, and so oh, he died no. this terrible, terrible death from like septic shock. Uh, like over a course, because he was just a polite boy, just a polite boy, a, a good lad, oh, what uh, a good boy, who whose blood was poisoned from the inside and died like very painfully over a series of weeks. Uh, and as soon as he died, uh, his assistant uh, Johannes Kepler basically published all of his stuff under Yo- uh, under the Kepler name. So like his 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 number two just like waited for him to die from Kepler, this terrible. At least death. to my to my knowledge, Kepler is a much better known name in astronomy. Exactly, and and then and it's all because he just took his his boss's notes when he died. And and Kepler uh, is sort of followed uh, historically by uh, uh, an astronomer named Vesto Slipher, uh, who comes like two hundred years later. Uh, Vesto Slipher is mostly famous for having a good ass fucking name, uh, Vesto Slipher. Uh, but he also was like on the verge of like he'd put together uh, the sort of theory of red shifts and blue shifts. Uh, and as soon as he died, his uh, sort of assistant, Edwin Hubble, introduced the Hubble t- uh, telescope and the, the Hubble theories of, of, of red shift stuff. Uh, Are they saying that all came from his notes as well? Exactly. So it's it's this idea that in astronomy, like you die and then whoever you trusted most in life will steal everything. But uh, one of the things that I find to be the silver lining here, especially as we're in the time that we're in, it's this idea that, you know, you might not get the credit, but the wheel of, like, forward momentum and human intelligence never stops. Like, even if we're in a time where all the funding for NASA stops and we, we try to say that climate change isn't real, there's still people somewhere, and they might be shifty fucking people but they're forwarding the ideas of us getting better and smarter. And, uh, and I really like thinking about that sometimes. Like, you might die from... Uh, you might be a polite boy who dies, <laughs> but, but, but at least you'll be paying it forward eventually. You'll be avenged by the concept of knowledge, but maybe somebody should avenge the person that does what they do with your knowledge. It's, yeah, it's, humans are bad, but we're always getting better. Not as better as people, but like... <laughs> We're and getting, then we dip back down, yeah. and we have a big reversal of society, <laughs> and then maybe we'll get better again in, like, three years? I don't know. Three, three years, that's a good, that's, let's go with the positive on that one. <laughs> so that's what I'm bringing from the void this week. Uh, I mean, either three years, or maybe a hero will rise, I don't know. When we get into the next set of the 1500s, we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> so we have a, 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 segment, a segment on the show, self-caring into the void, and that is where we talk about... Uh, what we did this week that made us feel good, made us feel better, made us feel like there was a little less darkness. Jordan, what do you have? Mine was, oddly enough, a blast from the past that they released a new season of Queer Eye. And even if this sh- you look at this show and you like you like laugh at the idea of it, that it's all fake and it's all scripted, there's something about watching even scripted stories about like people caring for the other 
and accepting the other into their lives. And then the, uh, the two different spheres of like, a lot of them are about like people who are in backwards parts of the United States and have um, conservative views being approached by, by the, this team of um, LGBT guys and then their worlds colliding. And then even if it's scripted, I don't care. It still makes me feel good to see them saying like, Oh, I love you guys, you know, and on them all hugging and stuff in that little bit of like cheesy fun is what made me like forget about how like anxious I was this week and watching someone, the care for the other as the self. I, it, it gave me a good feeling too, without even watching it because uh, my first reaction to it existing in a, in a new form was, is an eye roll. It, uh, no, it was, uh, are there even straight guys anymore? <laughs> like, like I mean, that's the part of it that feels outdated. I mean, <laughs> uh, and, and I, I, I just watched the movie Philadelphia for the first time. Uh, and it's 1993 and, and there's a whole lot of homophobia in it. Uh, but like every line of homophobia in that movie, uh, w- watching it now, I was like, my God, no one anywhere could get away with saying even anything half as, 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 as bad as that. Uh, and I was like, I, was I mean, so unless pl- it's like a presidential state of the union or sure. something. But, sure. Yeah. Well, you have to dog whistle it a little bit. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the, the racism in that movie, uh, still sounds like stuff you would hear in an office somewhere. And I was like, I, I was in the middle of being like, look how far we've come and how aged this film is. And I was, and like, uh, at one point in that, uh, a woman comes into the courtroom and says that, uh, the people that Tom Hanks's company are shit bags because, uh, one of her bosses kept talking about like her urban jewelry and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a thing I would hear like in 2018 still like that's not, there's, there's no it's way like that something you would lesser. hear at, at the farmer's market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, there's, there is a progress where I was like, are isn't everyone on the, on the sexuality spectrum at some point, like who self identifies as even a straight guy at this point, except for people that maybe don't deserve a makeover. <laughs> Oh, everyone deserves a makeover from the. <laughs> uh, my 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 thing to bring to Suffolk this week was actually uh, a uh, comic, and I I get into comics for like a month every year, and then I fall out again. Uh, this is a comic from two thousand and eight. <laughs> I'm very a comic interested from two thousand and eight called Fishtown by Kevin Colden, uh, and it's based on an actual like uh, murder uh, where some teenagers. Uh, basically uh just really really fuck up their friend over like five hundred dollars he got on payday so they can go get drugs uh but the entire comic uh in addition to being like uh a, a, a true crime podcast sort of feel about the entire thing and being a true story uh, it's drawn entirely mm-hmm. in white yellow and a dark blue no blacks or anything, oh, and it's set in, in West Philadelphia, which every time they say it, I know, I was like, in West Philadelphia, and I was like, I know it's the wrong tone for what I'm saying, but that's finding uh, some happiness on the side of it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, the yellow of it is this real, like, piss-stained yellow, uh, and it, it made me feel weird to even be touching the pages. Oh, love it. So when it's all about just what a shithole town they live in and how they're shithole kids, I, I was physically... Exactly, and I was physically holding the book and being like, I can't remember the last time like a comic made me feel like through my hands, like I, I needed to wash my hands, not of not just of the murder, but of like the place where they live, and that's my country too. Uh, and the, the the really the best part of it that was the self care was that uh, we got it at uh, uh, Tattered Covered Books in Denver, which is 
one of those top 10 indie bookstores in the country. And I can't remember the last time that I actually just hung out in a bookstore for like an hour, just around physical books. And it made me feel so much better. And I was like, wait, why don't I do this all the time? Like I, I spent my entire life being that kid. And now like, I'm just like, I found it on Amazon. It'll be here tomorrow. Just being in a room with books makes you actively feel better. And I think remembering that is, is my self care of the week. So you're gonna, are you going to go and find a, a close local Already bookstore them. where you yeah. live now and make that part of your ritual? Because once you get to know the people in a bookstore, it becomes almost like that comic book store every Wednesday kind of vibe where they know you and you can shoot the shit and talk about books. Because usually like strangers don't want to talk about that stuff with you as much as you want them to. But like a bookseller, that's like their whole life is talking about books. You get that. You get that. Real good that nerd video time. game stores have taught me that I don't want to talk to people anymore about media. But yes, you're probably right. I should find a place with good people. Oh no, they're, they're, I definitely still have that experience, and that's when I'll just not go back to a comic book store because part of the ritual of a comic book store is going and talking <laughs> unabashedly about this thing that you're passionate for in a place where people supposedly are going to respond in that same with that same holy fervor, you know. And if someone in a comic book store tries to gatekeep you or make you feel shitty that you talk to them, don't go back to that store. They're not doing it. Right. I, I like that. And I, yeah, you're right. And in, in a time like this, we probably need to make more communities of like-minded people. So that's, that's a good ass tip. I will, I will do your thing this week. Yeah. And don't be a gatekeeper <laughs> in general. No, I think creators belong to me. Oh, to, to you. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should just like, harass them with your fervor for their thing until they feel like sick with guilt and and anxiety of not producing enough and that was our new uplifting podcast carrying into the void i'm jordan at hottest singles on twitter weirdly enough uh i'm brock at brock wilbur on twitter and we're here to remind you to keep your teeth sharp and your hearts dark and true thank you guys bye bye